I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Podcart and welcome to, I always say this, welcome to another guest. Maybe I should change the intro. Um, Goldflake Paint. Now we attempted to do this before I went through a lot of technical technological <laughs> issues and um but now this is gonna happen okay how are you Tom uh good I think so Tom Johnson is your full name it is and Thomas Johnson Thomas have you got any middle name Peter Thomas Peter Johnson <laughs> that's a quite an English name it's isn't very it? biblical <laughs> it's and I wasn't biblical. even I wasn't even christened and I've got all the disciples not all the disciples each of my name is a one of the disciples. <laughs> well, you know. yeah. How many years have you been going now? Um, eight and a half. Yeah. yeah. Eight. We were eight in May, which is when I kind of wound things in a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was eight years. And I got to know you when you were in Bristol, mm-hmm. and uh, I started reading your blog, and I thought, oh my god, thank God, this is something that's. <laughs> you know, good and from the heart and refreshing. But you've recently, we're, we're going to talk about the journey and so on, mm-hmm. but you have, is it stopped the blog? Not quite. Yeah, it's still, I guess it's a bit, it's a bit in limbo. So we, we're now, we're now a magazine, which is yeah. how I'm trying to describe us when I meet new people and things. Um, but I think we will, we will get the website going to some extent. It's been weird because, you know, with a blog, you can hear a song and within an hour you can write about it, post about it, share it. With the magazine, we were doing them every three months, so I can hear a record today that could feel like it's gonna change my life, but I can't put it in the new magazine because yeah. everything's already set there and I've got to wait till January to do the next one. And I kind of miss that. I needed a break from it, but I do miss that kind of being able to just quickly put something online. And yeah, you know, it's almost like a capturing the moment, which I think is what we always kind of did quite well with mm-hmm. the site, of finding something that had a, impact on your day and been able to kind of write about that and share it quite quickly yeah which I, and do, I do miss that that's that's what I love about you and that's how I kind of identify with you as a blogger because I I know what it's like <laughs> we know how many submissions we get it's this grappling of also just trying to keep the enjoyment for ourselves but when you find something you love mm-hmm. it's it's impossible not to just kind of want to cover it in every way shape or form and I think that there's artists that we've both covered in real depth um, I guess such as Catherine Joseph mm. and Twilight Sad and Frightened Rabbit and and others that are Scottish but there's others outside of Scotland that we've really loved as well mm. like Sophie and Stevens mm-hmm. and um, and so on and do you find this is a question that I wanted to ask you do you ever get criticism for that do you ever get people saying, oh, God, well, they're only going to cover these types of artists and they only seem to cover them? Or Yeah, I think there's been a couple of, like, throwaway comments over mm-hmm. the years where it's like, oh, this band is too well-known for you to write about as if like, we're kind of 
which I like, I can understand if you go onto a website and you've not and you've not heard of a single one of the bands that are on the front page, and maybe you could. That's not for everyone. That's fine, you know. But so yeah, we have had a bit of criticism, but I've always like I've always only ever written about what I like. Yeah. And that's the only way I can write about music. I can't write scathing reviews. I can't really write like analytical reviews. Everything's like stream of consciousness, and. So yeah, if there's any kind of snobbery at all, then it's completely accidental. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I listen to, I enjoy the finding new music and like listening to bands that I've not heard of, and that's not for everyone. Pe- some people, you know, feel like you should only listen to something that has a ten-year shelf life or twenty-year shelf life, and you should support that kind of career musician, and that's fine. And that's there are places that do that well, but I'm quite happy to write about a song. That may never get a follow-up or may never make it onto an album, because that's you know. I don't think you should dictate art in that way. Yeah. You know. No, I totally agree with you. Um, so I've asked you to pick six songs, which was obviously quite a a tough yeah, task. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, you've your first one is Mitski, mm-hmm. who has you've really um, put a heavy weight behind Mitski and you're one of the people that I feel has uh, kind of really helped promote her within Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, how did you first discover her? And yeah, she's a big part of the new magazine as well. Yeah, she's the cover on the front front cover. Um, yeah, it's funny with Mitski, we, She's. I mean, this is her fifth album, and the first two weren't really known at all, even in kind of the blogging world, however you want to call it. Um, but the, so the, her third record, we were sent one of the tracks quite early on, and it was just yeah, incredible. Um, which we covered that, and then I think we did an interview around that time as well, and then she was coming to the UK. Um, so me and Joe from Hug and Pint decided to put her on in Glasgow, and about fifty people came, I guess, on that. It was like a Sunday night, pissing down with rain. 50 or 60 people came and it was, she just played solo and it was astonishing.
since then. Not not because of that, but you know, the next album was a huge step up, and then this one, she just seems to be everywhere. So it's, that's the kind of the nicest thing about blogging, I think. Not it's, again, it sounds kind of self-congratulatory or something like that, but it's so nice to actually see the journey of someone oh, and, and totally. be able to be. You know, it, that kind of goes against everything I said in, in the introduction, <laughs> but it is so nice to to the kind of follow the journey of someone and she's just yeah I think she's an incredible artist and it's just been amazing to see especially the new record and just how far she's come Mm -hmm. it's pretty special and so the early days of uh goldflake paint what made you just start blogging what happened I just it was actually I just found out that I quite liked writing about it one day like I'd never written anything I didn't I didn't go to college to study writing or anything like that. I was I used to do photography at some shows and took some photos of Frightened Rabbit when they played in Bristol. I think it must be two thousand nine, two thousand and ten, um, and just they were quite. I quite liked the photos, and I sent them to a Bristol magazine website thing. Like here's some photos, and they were like, "Oh, could you write some words alongside it?" And suddenly found this new craft that was like that I kind of enjoyed. And I'd never, never, ever written about music before, and just suddenly it felt, I don't know, it felt very natural to start doing it, even though they're, when I read those reviews back now, <laughs> they're awful. But it was, yeah, it was, just, it was just something that I completely fell upon by accident. Yeah. And then, and then yeah, I was working with, uh, in a terrible job with another guy who was wanting to start his own website design company, and he was like, if you want, I can build your website for some practice, and if you want to write some words to fill it, and we'll see how it goes. And that was... That was Goldflake Paint. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what happened with yeah. us. It's amazing, isn't mm-hmm. it? I think another thing that bloggers like to do uh, as they progress is they either go into PR, some kind of industry job, or they start a label. Mm-hmm. So you've pretty much done everything. I think so at this point, yeah. Um, and the label, the tape label, mm-hmm. so what's your tape label called? It's called Human Noise. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Cellar Belly, mm-hmm. which is the um, album by Wishbone, mm-hmm. and you—I mean, what made what makes you want to release an artist like that? Obviously, it's a love and a passion mm-hmm. for them, but what what was the song or what was the moment that you thought, "No, fuck this! I need to get this out there." Mm-hmm. It's a difficult question. I've tried it. I tried a couple of times to do a label across the years, and just always kind of run out of time a bit and I already feel a bit that way with human noise just because of all the other stuff I've had going on this year but it's just it's just an extension of blogging you know it's that desire to share something that you think is so great that you need to help it reach other people and the tape label is just an extension of that you know it's giving a home to something that you think deserves it and deserves not to get lost in the in the ether yeah um, and with Celebelli, um got sent the masters for that kind of back when I was actually in Chicago and I have a really nice memory of walking around in the snow listening to the masters for the first time just being like fuck I really really need to do this
again and call it something else and I don't know try and because the last one we did was Goldflake tapes and that was kind of I just felt a bit too close to the blog yeah which was fine but I just want I wanted this to be I wanted Humanoids to be something else to kind of exist in its own right rather than obviously we use Goldflake Paint a little bit to help share the stuff we release but it, I very much want it to be its own project yeah um, and yeah we covered Wishbone on her first EP, like about two years ago. And it's an, it was incredible EP. And just got a message out of the blue from her manager. Um, and I think they had been wanting to put it on a bigger label and I had some interest from bigger labels, but you know, with bigger labels, it's always, they work kind of a year behind and things and they just wanted to get it out almost straight away and asked me to do it. So we did. And I don't know, I kind of wish I'd done a better job on it. It was right in the middle of a lot of, <laughs> things going on this summer as everyone I'm sure is aware and uh, it all got a bit lost sadly but it's yeah it's an incredible record and yeah so proud to put it out the la- last podcast I, sp- I spoke to um James Graham and, and we obviously spoke about what's happened and it's something that you've kind of touched on and mm. y- you wanted to talk about as well and I mean so Scott Hutchison has, I mean, I can't believe, well, I can believe the impact that he's had mm-hmm. on the community, but that lasting impact of everything that's happened mm-hmm. and the domino effect afterwards, you became quite close with Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you become friends? Um, I think it was just, we, we did... I think it was one of the first interviews I ever did when we started the blog back when it would have been Winter Mitch Drinks came out. Um, we did a big interview then and then me and my friend Sammy who helps with Goldflake Paint, we put Scott on in Bristol like 2011 I think it was, 2012, um, which is one of those great Scott moments where I think it was Fright and Rabbit were playing sold out Bristol Saturday night. Um, and we just asked him to come and play for us on the Friday night. And he messaged back and we're like, management said no, label say no, but yeah, fuck it, I'll come and do it. <laughs> he just, we, we put the word out like a week before and he didn't want any money for it. It was just donation on the door for a charity. And we just, I think there must've been 150, 200 people there. And he just played, just walked in off the street with his guitar and played for just a request show for an hour, hour and a half or something. And just one of those moments that, <laughs> you know, is very much, a summation of who he was um, and yeah from that we kind of stayed more in touch and then I moved to Edinburgh and then he happened to it was when he was living in Edinburgh at the time before he moved to the States and was just around the corner um, so he became much closer then and then again when he moved back again he was just around the corner in Deniston 
Um, so we just kind of followed each other across the years and became quite close, which is... And um, what kind of impact did he have in your life? A huge one, I think, yeah. It's easy to say that in the kind of aftermath of someone uh, departing, but um, yeah, he really did. He was both person, like professionally, he was, he always did stuff with Goldflake paint when he didn't really need to, you know, stuff you know, from making playing desks for us and doing illustrations just because we asked him to do it or, you know, so many different, like playing the show for us when he was told not to by everyone else, like all different things like that. Um, and yeah, and personally, like he was, um, I've said it quite a lot to people that I had like a very unique kind of friendship with him in that I don't know the rest of the band that well, like I, I know them enough to kind of have a pint with, but I had a much closer relationship with Scott and yeah, just for whatever reason, I became quite close over many pints over the years in the pub and yeah, it's just one of the people that I felt comfortable kind of opening up about my own issues with and he was always receptive to that and kind of, I guess we kind of had that closeness. Because he, he reached out to you as well. Yeah, not, it was, it was one of those strange things that you kind of notice after something like that's happened, but yeah, just a few, well I'd seen quite a lot actually in the kind of month or so before he died and um, yeah, he, I was not, I was not in a great place for the start, the kind of, I'd been to America and came back from South By and was kind of want, not really sure what I was doing with the blog, I like wanted to finish the blog and not doing too well in like personal life and things like that and it just kind of felt like I'd taken a big step back which is always difficult when you think mm -hmm. you're in a better place as I'm sure, <laughs> you know, kind of, yep. even if you're not back to like feeling as bad as you were maybe five years ago, just the fact that you've kind of, that you thought you were through something and yeah, it just happened to be on a Saturday night and just having a bit of a rough time and just got popped up a message from Scott and we had quite a long kind of Facebook chat for like an hour or so which was just like sharing songs and yeah it, obviously it's a very strange thing to think about now but it was and how have you have you made any kind of conscious changes since he has died have there been things that you've thought no I need to do this or you know I went to therapy for the first time wow <laughs> um which is something that, yeah, I've been talking to Scott about. Um, it's, it's a huge thing, though, yeah. to actually take mm -hmm. that step. And it's trying to explain to people. Mm -hmm. Some people, I think it's, I said to say this a lot, is people treat it as an Americanism. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, a yeah, lot of people have, yeah, they've therapy, all got therapists. Yeah. But um, for, I think here it's so difficult to talk about stuff. Yeah. Um, so has, has that really made uh, a change to your life? It's hard to, it still feels too close to everything yeah. maybe now, but um, yeah, I think so. I think so. even just like the process of just getting that conversation started is like a huge weight off mm -hmm. your shoulders. Um, and yeah, I think, guess it just feeds into all other aspects of your life. Um, even if it's only a tiny small amount, you know, that can stack up if it's you know, it's helped with work, it's helped with relationships, it's helped with, you know, but like more personal aspects of my life and things like that, so. But I think, I, this is another thing I identify with you, is that as for what we do, you, um, 
when you take the time to put so much of your free energy and life into writing and creating and helping other people that when anything negative is, comes along and is said or done it overtakes everything mm. and you really start to mm. doubt yourself and you think why am I doing this mm. what have I done mm. um, and I know that you've been in that position and I yeah. see you questioning yourself mm -hmm. um, at times has is that still there um, I think a, I think a lot of that was t is tied into being on the computer 24-7 yeah. which since which is another reason why I kind of stopped doing the blog because I just wanted some breathing space and like it's so easy to get sucked into ridiculous little things when you kind of I don't know you when you're stuck on Twitter or whatever you know we've and like we've done pretty well over the years of not having too many people try and rile us up but there was like a big thing a couple of big things in the last year that have, that really got to me and then you step out of it and you're like what the fuck am I doing yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> and but that's so hard to remember that when you're sat at a computer so luckily for me I have managed to kind of remove myself from that a bit um and, and that's improved your mental health then without a doubt yeah without a doubt yeah it's it's so enormous um tell me about choir boy i don't know who they are mm -hmm. um but you you picked um tulips mm -hmm. so this go i guess goes back to what we were talking about earlier of like discovering new music that kind of you feel should be heard by more people and Quiet Boy is that one album that we discovered through the blog and every time someone asks for a recommendation I send them this album because it's just so so good um, came out a couple of years ago I guess now um, and yeah it's just throughout it's just it's absolutely amazing and just yeah it's the one album I give to people and say here's great music that exists outside of <laughs> what you see in you know Six Music and things like that um,
and that yeah that song in particular but that whole album is just incredible mm. yeah I, I see what you mean about the whole six music mm-hmm. thing because I think we listen to a lot of output from mm-hmm. them but there are artists I guess that that I mean I think that you probably cover more than I do um that really do fit in a certain mm-hmm. kind of which bracket. is fine like that's that's six music exactly is wonderful and does a really yeah great job no it is yeah there is I don't know I understand that not everyone yeah, Don't jeopardise you getting a job in the future, Tom. <laughs> I love six music. Six <laughs> music is great. Um, but yeah, like I, I totally understand that people don't have time to follow a niche music blog and like that's totally fine. Um, but there are these incredible artists that if they were given the right exposure would have exactly the same impact as, you know, more prominent artists get. And that's always a nice thing to kind of remind people I guess that there are smaller bands out there who just haven't had a break and I know they're fully deserving of support and you moved what was the decision we've we've spoken off uh, record as to why but what was the decision to move up to Scotland because that's quite a a, you know Mm -hmm. quite a move Mm -hmm. Uh, there were a couple of things the relationship I was in at the time where yeah my girlfriend at the time was from Scotland so we were doing long distance for a bit which is never fun at all um, and also just I think Bristol was great I didn't grow up in Bristol but I'd moved to Bristol I grew up in kind of rural Devon and had moved to Bristol and it was great for the blog to be in a city where there were lots of bands coming through and that was like a huge step up for the site and that kind of made me realise that shit I could actually this might actually last more than just as a, a year project or whatever you know and I could actually maybe make a living from it or you know not a, we don't make a living from running a blog but at least have it like <laughs> as a prominent piece of what I do and and, and then I think I, I don't know there were just a couple of like personal circumstances that had changed and it just felt like I'd kind of Bristol had run its course at that point um, again mental health things where I was just like when I lived in Devon I was like all I need to do is move to the city and everything will be fine and then three years of living in the city and you're like still don't feel much different and then like I'd just always been a huge fan of Scottish music and always been fascinated by Scotland then having spent a bit more time up here visiting my girlfriend at the time it was it just straight away felt like somewhere I wanted to live like the people were nicer and (laughs) the mountains are better you know and all those kind of things um so it just it, everything just kind of fell into place at the right time, and I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna move to Scotland." Move to Scotland. So I put all my belongings on a crate and gave it to a lorry driver, <laughs> and watched it disappear. And then, luckily, it turned up in Scotland a couple of days later. Wow! So where you are right now, um, mentally and in your life, would you say that you're there's a happiness there now? Yeah. Um, Obviously this summer's been really hard and still doesn't, don't feel like I've worked my way, uh, worked my way through it at all, really. Um, but as you were kind of hinting at earlier, when those kind of things happen, you, it does make you take stock of what you're doing and where you want to be and things you want to do yourself, you know. Um, and I've met someone new, which has been incredible for me. and been really supportive of me and what I'm doing and I've been supportive of them and that's a really nice thing to yeah to to have in your life um so yeah I think if if you could sculpt the ideal 
life for yourself that you think would make you happy, what would it be? Just a wee Scottish island and a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and a fireplace. And music. And, yeah, some music. I mean, music's fine. <laughs> Just a dog and, dog and a fireplace. Um, yeah, I don't know, like this... It was funny, I think we... We kind of talked a little bit about this just just before, but when you run, when you do something such a personal kind of thing, when you're running a blog, whatever, whether it's you know any kind of artistic endeavor that you're putting your kind of heart and soul into, it does become something of a crutch. And I kind of, in, I think now in the back of my head, if I was doing the website every single day, then everything would be all right, which is ridiculous, but that was my kind of thing, was like that, that was the thing I could, could do well, and people would tell me I was doing well at it, and I think there's only so long you can kind of sustain that. So I actually kind of just getting to the point where I was like, I felt like I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve with it, and taking a step back has actually been much better for me than holding on to doing it every single day, even though I still get <clears throat> so much from it, and always it was always a positive thing in my life like it's if the kind of it does feel like a weight is lifted off me which is a weird like it's a no, weird I, imbalance I like, often grapple yeah, with this not having to check the inbox every day yeah not having to say no to people 20 times a day you know that people would kind of come to you and say like please can you cover this please can you write about this and just having to be like no I can't do that it's that's a difficult thing to do like so often but it gets to the point you just have to ignore people because do, it becomes that, that, so much and it, that in itself is so difficult. Yeah, it's a really hard thing to do on yeah a more than daily basis. So I think as much as I do kind of miss that the aspects that come with running the blog, like shifting to a magazine and having, it feels like such a dis different discipline, you know, there's, I feel like there's much more space to write and think about things and much more opportunity for fresh air rather than Twitter and that's always a good thing um, so I don't, yeah there's, there's definitely happiness in there somewhere <laughs> Big Thief are uh, a band they've, they're the uh, best band <laughs> are they your favourite band would you say I just think they're the best band in the world at the moment yeah. do you think Yeah. I'm not if they're listening to this I don't want to say you know I don't want to question <laughs> that but I'm sure they. I think you're fine. I think they would question it. The, the the her vocal it gets. I I remember I was walking into town to work and one of the songs um, from Capacity came on, and it just caught me. And I thought, oh my! I just started crying. Mm. I thought, oh my god, mm. what is going on? And then that song became a bit of an anthem mm. for me. Um, so. Big thief for you. Yeah, I just everything about them. I think they're like it's like solid rock songs. Like it could be like Fleetwood Mac or something like that. But then there's like the weirdness of the lyrics and like they have, especially live, they have like that dynamic edge that just blows me away. Yeah, it's like there's nothing else like it. I don't think. Which is funny because it's just a rock and roll band, you know. Like 
orchestra playing on insane we loved me like you loved me in the January rain mom and dad in violins song Staring on a cross. 
obviously is incredible and the way she uses lyrics is weird and unsettling. Yeah, I just, everything about them, I think, they're just incredible. How long have you followed them for? Since the start, I think we... Not gonna say it, yeah. We covered their first single. Um, and quite, yeah, pretty early on. And I remember Saddle Creek, I think that was the first thing that Saddle Creek had shared. And they posted on their Facebook. I was like, whoa, that's Bright Eyes label, posting about my yeah. website. So that was quite a long time ago when I still got excited by things like that. Um, so yeah, we've covered them a bunch over the last, but I guess three years or so, three or four years. Maybe even not that long, I can't remember. But um, I just love everything. Yeah. If, if, I mean, in terms of some of the bigger artists that you that have become more established and so on, um, can you name some of those that you you either get that excitement for that that inner child comes out that nostalgia and you just go, I don't care if it's shit now. I'm still going to see them. I'm still going to buy mm. it. Whatever. Who are some of those people? I mean, Fright and Rabbit and Twilight Sad were the two that we've kind of I guess followed from who were, were making music before I started the blog we still covered on every record not that I'm saying that they're gonna be shit I believe in James a lot <laughs> sure the new record's amazing um, <laughs> but yeah those two definitely where I just I wrote a thing about Scott for this for the magazine that we're putting out and kind of said in that how I had to separate the fact that it was Scott from Fright and Rabbit and then Scott my bearded pal that we go to the pub yeah because I just love that band so much and it's, it's kind of similar to Twilight Sad as well like their all of their work but especially like the debut record was just I'm sure he's sick of hearing that but the debut record was really good <laughs> and you know it's such a huge impact and still now it's just like I can go back to any of the any of their records and kind of, it removes you from being a blogger and you remember like oh yeah I'm just a someone that actually loves music and when you're uh, some of the yeah, so the artists that you've spoken about, Twilight Sad, Frightened Rabbit, and I, and I guess if there's anyone else, is it hard to appreciate the music in the same way as before you knew them? Is how does it affect you? I don't, I don't know if I feel affected by that, the kind of relationship at all. Do you manage to separate those two elements? I don't know if it's separating it or just appreciating. I think yeah. it's just. Being in the music industry for so many years, you just realise that they're just people. <laughs> when you're younger and more enthusiastic, you're like, is it, you view them as almost like caricatures, I guess, or like, I don't know, there's like a mystery to them. And there are still like a couple of people where I'd probably completely freak out, like Sophie and, actually I did freak out because we met Sophie last summer and me and Beth, my friend, and we told, <laughs> like, we're like sobbing teenagers type thing, so. It definitely still happens. But, yeah, but I don't have a relationship with Sufjan, so I guess it's different. Yeah. It's like, it's still, there's, a, there's a, such a huge gap between me as a music writer or music listener and where someone like Sufjan or like Bon Iver or, you know, is. Um, but then you just, you just realise over time. I think you let enough musicians sleep on your sofa when they're on tour. <laughs> the magic soon <laughs> wears off, you know. Yeah. So. And, but I think it's what you were saying in terms of like getting records before release and things, I still there's still a lot a bunch of artists that I will try and like Catherine sent me a new record quite early on and I didn't I didn't want to listen to it for like because it just deserves to be listened to properly so I kind of waited 
and listen to like on a train journey that I had by myself going through the Scottish countryside or like the Twilight Sad album I'll probably like go for a walk at night or something you know something that will remove that whole journalism aspect to it and you, obviously you can't do that for every record but I think there's certain bands that you make the right kind of space even if you have to listen you can't listen to it on record with you know mm-hmm. I don't know no, that's, that's how I try and try and do it and I think it does it helps to some extent because it yeah I think you react to a record better when you view it as a fan rather than mm-hmm. as someone who has to critically assess it and I think I think in most aspects of journalism that's probably the other way around it totally it's so structured mm. and it's um quite clinical at mm, times like, oh, how, how do I get 500 words out of this album yeah. rather than do yeah. I like it <laughs> yeah exactly rather than how it makes you feel yeah. and you know how how clever it is and mm. those lyrics how mm. you identify them and so on yeah, yeah totally I totally agree
yeah um, I'm not even going to ask the question I'm just going to let you tell me about her where do I start I don't know. yeah I don't know what to say she's just again it's, I don't know. it's a weird thing to talk about especially after you having asked about how you view how you kind of separate artists and things but Julie's become a really close friend over the years and I kind of helped her out the first time she came to the UK she was touring kind of on her own or with a friend but it was just the two of them and I kind of helped out for a few dates and then we stayed in touch and became really close friends and then Matt was lucky enough to spend some dates with her in Portugal in the summer um, and again that's someone else you've just seen like I remember that the first tour she did in the UK she played Green Man and then she had like a few solo dates after and the first night was in Hull and there were like 20 people there in a pub with a weird smoke machine that didn't work and kept like noisily came on during like inopportune moments during songs and it was just like to see that and then at the end of last year I went down to London and she like sold out the what's the beautiful church in Union Chapel Union Chapel like 800 people or something it's just wow and she's so like she's one of those she doesn't have social media you know she doesn't she's never attempted to like sell herself or her work and she's just it's really inspiring to see someone she's just she writes songs because it's what she has to do, you know, and people have followed her and, yeah, forever in awe of both her as a person and a performer and artist and everything. And yeah, one of those kind of success stories that we've followed kind of through the blog and then, yeah, it's pretty special. Um, you're a big advocate of women in music and those identifying as women. Um, Glasgow can be quite a a lad kind of centric place mm-hmm. um, and we've seen you and I have talked about examples of that um, the, and the as a blog it's not I don't well I don't know if I'm correct in saying this I don't think it's a conscious decision I think it's because the output is genuinely good it's not mm-hmm. a matter of going out to find females mm-hmm. to cover um, am I right in saying yeah, that? Yeah absolutely um, yeah that, that women don't need me to cheerlead for them, you know. You man. <laughs> me white-bearded man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I said, I can't remember if it was this year or last year. I think it was the when we did our Albums of the Year last year. And I just kind of s- said that if, you know, if your kind of end of year lists aren't dominated by women, then you're actively avoiding it. Because look at the last five years and all of the, for me, the all of the best records are at least, you know, I'm not saying men aren't making good records, but like women absolutely are. And yeah. they're so often not seen or covered for reasons that you'll be able to talk about better than I can. But Well, I, I don't know. What, what do you feel? I mean, what do you... I mean, in Glasgow, it can be a problem. Glasgow especially, like, it's the one thing that is so disappointing to me about Scotland and Glasgow is that terrible lad bands are still pushed as this... Are still pushed by men in the industry as being the next big thing, or you know, as you know, we've covered many different people and events that have stuck to their guns and continue to flood it with because they've done the best, yeah, they've done their best in covering, yeah, tried very hard, (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, it's changing slowly, which I guess is some comfort, but again, I I don't need comfort because I'm not affected by it, but yeah, whatever we can. I get, but it's not a conscious thing. Like it, there are like we've done things that have, 
you know, we've done women playlists for Women's Day. I mean, th this isn't just me, like Golf Day Paint is run by women as well, you know, it's Sammy and most of the writers are, are women. Um, yeah, it's not something that I'm kind of consciously pushing, it's just a reflection of, should be a reflection of 2018 <laughs> and the music industry, but exactly it's not. Uh and another thing that I, I wanted to talk about um, is that the um, lack of respect that creativity can sometimes get as well. Um, mm. And I was ranting to you about, I've realised that I do all these things for people to help them further mm. their journeys, but I do it for free. Mm. And I'm assuming that you've done the same as well. Mm. Um, do you feel I mean has that affected your mental health and confidence in people I guess disrespecting um skill or talent in order just to I guess you know get something for themselves yeah I don't I, I don't know like I obviously that happens a lot in every kind of aspect of the creative kind of world um, and I've done been asked to do plenty of things for free and by people who should not be requesting free work but but also I'm guilty of like I, people write for me and I've not made any money so I'm not paying writers but yeah. now obviously with them that's the best thing about the magazine is that now we've sold all these pre-orders we have this bulk of money and I can pay everyone from that you know like I can pay someone to edit I can pay someone to Oh, I can pay all the writers, I can pay someone to do the photography, like that's, that's a huge, that feels like such a huge accomplishment and I don't think other people, a lot of people in the industry don't view that as an accomplishment, being able to pay someone to do the work, it's like what can they get away with, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which I, I understand but it's, yeah it can be very disheartening. You've got this, uh, this beautiful hundred page magazine coming well it's coming it's coming um and it's a new forgive the pun a new chapter yes um and you are in this uh, wonderful new uh journey in your personal life um and it's i mean i you and i have spoken quite a lot we kind of dip in and out with each other um mm. i guess i I don't know, I suppose for me it's a conscious thing that I just check in to make sure that you're all right. Um, <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, I think because I know in my own head doing this stuff, it is so incredibly trying mm. at times. Mm. Um, what what else do you want to do? What else do you want to explore or, or kind of upskill yourself mm. on? Or I don't know. I think it's... I think I just need, once this mag, once I have the magazine, I haven't actually seen the magazine yet. Like it, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be back and then we can send them all out. Um, I'm looking forward to having it in my hands, and I think that it's still like it doesn't feel real to me yet. And I'm still waiting for like the disaster to happen where I don't know every front cover's painted like printed upside down or something, and so it doesn't quite feel real yet. Um, but it it feels really exciting, and it feels like something totally different and. I think the biggest change is that we can sell the magazine and that means that maybe this could be a job that I can put all my focus into rather than having to squeeze it around doing every other thing you need to do to get by um, and that's really exciting because it means you can kind of plan like we can plan out the next year already probably just from the money we've made 
not that we've like made enough money to print four mag four issues of the magazine, but like there's some kind of comfort there where we could potentially do this, like it could work. Which yeah. blogging never. <laughs> I I don't know if you're the same, but I was kind of just always waiting for it to collapse and just be like, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so that's really exciting and that's like in terms of my own thing I don't know it's kind of I had a funny moment like with kind of putting all the last touches to the magazine and I don't know it's for the first maybe for the first time I was like I'm kind of proud of this like it I like wrote half the articles like helped with the design did some of the photography and I was just like that's going to be a physical thing that I can like show someone and be like hey I did this because when you say you run a blog people are like you know, blogs are weird do, do you, <laughs> why do you run a blog what but is? do you still find I mean I recognize your skill and I you know it's it's I said this on numerous podcasts and I talk to um creatives about this is that trying to it's accepting that praise but mm. you yourself it's very difficult to you, for you to kind of fully see um and recognize your own mm -hmm. talent um you know, before this uh, magazine, was it, and you've put all this together, did you think, it's not going to be good enough? It's just, I'm not sure if this is going to work, or I'm not sure if, I mean, you've obviously touched on it, that you weren't sure if people were going to actually buy it. Yeah, or... I mean, yeah, we, like we've, even now we've sold out on pre-orders, and I'm still a bit like... I'm still terrified that it's not going to work <laughs> and maybe that's slowly shifting to terrifying terrified that it won't live up to people's expectations but there is some level of acceptance that we've we're doing something really good and that it's gonna people are gonna really enjoy it and I think with for some reason I think it's because of c computers and the internet that like as much as it's so nice getting praise back about a blog piece you wrote, that still doesn't feel like a real thing. Yeah, like you've got something tangible. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this is like it just because it's a real product, everything else around it feels more real as well. Yeah. Which is which is dumb because we live in technological age and that's the way of the world now. But there is something about yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But if it, at the moment it feels it feels really exciting and knowing that we've kind of got some kind of audience in place we can like really kind of push where we go on like the next issue and the next issue after that and we've got space to kind of do the things that I want to see in music magazines that I don't think about at the moment and that's a really fulfilling thing to kind of I mean it's terrifying <laughs> at the same yeah. time but um, I feel in a much better position kind of to attack that I guess um, well I think you're going to do amazing because um, I know you are but um, because every time I see your stuff I'm like fucking bastard <laughs> <laughs> he's done it again um, you have your last song is the Blue Nile um, headlights on the parade um, you've, you've actually been posting about them I've noticed that you've been posting about them a few times yeah. recently um, so why are you ending with this it just, they're the band that have come in over the last, even though obviously this record is 30 years old or whatever, over the last kind of couple of years they've been that band that exists completely outside of what I'm doing and 
I've just really kind of latched onto. And I was last year, I got really into running when I was having like midlife crisis, and I was I would go running late at night and just listen to the Blue Nile, and like it it, it really puts me in a headspace of I don't know of, of kind of personal reflection and. I don't know, going running out of the hills in Deniston and like looking over all the lights of Glasgow and listening to the Blue Nile is just like a really powerful memory and that even now the music has that kind of effect on me where it's just it, I don't know it just kind of helps solidify where I am right now and like makes me think about the fact that I live in Scotland and that that I'm doing these things and like this is my life and that kind of which can so easily get away from you in the, the rush of the everyday <laughs> and for whatever reason they just have that sound that just hits you right in the stomach and yeah just draws you into their world for a little bit yeah. and then you come out the other side feeling slightly changed each and every time well hopefully this is the time for you um I wish you all the best going forward um, and I can't wait to get this magazine um and uh yeah until next time thank, thank you, you tom thank you Lisa.